Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio. Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carroll. Though you may not realize that the ongoing threat of terrorism is affecting your life and that of your loved ones. Each week, Dr. Carroll analyzes the hottest topics in terror and helps you and your family reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carroll, your terrorist therapist and a psychiatrist. Well, you want to know who wrote the uh, New York Times op-ed piece? That's what everybody is uh, trying to figure out. In fact, there are even bookies who are placing bets, having people place bets to see who they think it is. And the bookies are giving out their list, you know, the odds for all the different people and taking bets. <laughs> well, I'm not a bookie and I don't have a list. Uh, I think that the New York Times op-ed piece was written by a terrorist. Yes, a terrorist, a domestic terrorist bent on destroying America. Now, you know, this is somewhat tongue-in-cheek in that um, I'm not saying that Osama bin Laden's or Al-Qaeda or um, ISIS has uh, actually directed someone to write this piece, but um, it is as if they did, it is good enough. In other words, um, whoever wrote it is destroying America, so radical Islamists can take it easy. America is destroying itself. Now, I'm sure you've heard something about this piece. First of all, let me talk about how, you know, I'm a born and bred New Yorker, and the New York Times was my paper. Um, that was the uh, height of literary excellence. That's what it was considered. And not to mention that the uh, New York Times Sunday crossword puzzle kept me busy for countless Sundays. Um, so it is particularly uh, a personal affront that the New York Times, you know, which was held in such high esteem, not just by me <laughs> or by people in New York, but uh, by people around the world. And to think that they would publish an op-ed piece by someone who apparently insisted upon becoming or being, staying anonymous just seems beyond any kind of ethics, any kind of journalistic ethics, and, um, and something very sneaky and underhanded and altogether um, not what one would expect from the New York Times or any newspaper, really, even with everything that's been going on um, still. This is a new low in journalism. So let me um, tell you, first of all, let me read to you some of the uh, New York Times piece, the op-ed piece. But before I do, let me um, tell you what I tweeted this morning. I wrote, it's anti-American for New York Times op-ed to publish anonymous piece to throw POTUS and White House into chaos and stupid to think Lodestar means was vice president. Ryder was smart enough to purposely use this word to make us think was Pence. Our enemies love Nike and the New York Times distracting POTUS. Now you'll understand this more when I uh, get into it. But um, basically, 
um, with Nike uh, having made Colin Kaepernick the head of their campaign, their new campaign, and um, uh, selling or starting to sell balaclavas, uh, you know, you have to wonder who is minding the store. What's up with Nike? That was my previous um, post. What's up with Nike? Choosing trader Colin Kaepernick as campaign star and selling balaclavas. It doesn't mean you're racist if you boycott Nike. It means you love America, respect flag and national anthem. But don't burn Nike sneakers. Give to homeless. So that's a bit of an introduction as to where I'm coming from. And now in terms of this um, op-ed piece, Chris, it's, it's entitled, I am part of the resistance inside the Trump administration. I work for the president, but like-minded colleagues and I have vowed to thwart parts of his agenda and his worst inclinations. Uh, and then the Times put a little, um, a little, um, statement ahead of the piece and wrote the times today is taking the rare step of publishing an anonymous op-ed essay we have done so at the request of the author a senior official that's what they're the person this anonymous person is going by they're claiming they're a senior official in the trump administration whose identity is known to us the new york times and whose job would be jeopardized by its disclosure we believe publishing this essay anonymously is the only way to deliver an important perspective to our readers. <laughs> Not uh, coincidentally, the perspective of the New York Times. We invite you to submit a question about the essay. You know, they have a space where you can put in, send in questions. So, um, <laughs> you know, it, first of all, the bottom line to all of this and why I'm talking about it and really what I'm, why I'm talking about it on the Terrorist Therapist Show is because um, this is making terrorist jobs much easier. Um, they can just wait, sit on the sidelines and wait because America is doing a good enough job of destroying itself. Surely whoever wrote this knows that by um, saying these various things, claiming to be an insider, of the Trump administration. Um, they know that this will make Trump, first of all, full of rage and paranoid and make him go on this search for whoever wrote it. And so, you know, they're essentially that they're part of the claims uh, in so many words as, um, as other people have tried to say as well. Some of the claims are that he's crazy and all kinds of derogatory terms. I don't think they use the word crazy, <laughs> but, um, but, you know, that's kind of implied. And if they think he's crazy, what do they think that an op-ed, an anonymous op-ed piece like this will do to him, would do to anybody to find out that people who you're counting on to implement your policies and to be loyal to you are writing these anonymous, I mean, are we Russia? Are we North, is this North Korea? I mean, like, hello, have I, <laughs> has the world changed and I just don't know about it? I mean, these are not things that should or be done in um, the United States of America. These are like sneaky tactics um, that are more fitting to be aligned with terrorism. I mean, it is a kind of terrorism. That's why I said a domestic terrorist. So um, it starts out by saying President Trump is facing a test to his presidency 
unlike any faced by a modern American leader. Yes, that is absolutely true, because people who voted for Hillary are still somehow trying to change the results of this uh, election, and somehow they're angry, they're stamping their feet, and um, are trying to take him away, change, you know, replay the tape, I mean, rewind the tape, and, and back to election day, and have, if not Hillary, then some Democrat instead of Trump. And, before, and it is true that um, no president has had an ongoing, continuing um, assault from the opposing party so far into his presidency as Trump has had. And which is why I always say, when there's a question, people, you know, if people are questioning his sanity, I'd like to see anybody else last this long and accomplish what he's accomplished with all of this hate, all of these undermining uh, plans uh, facing him. And of course, this is the latest one. So um, the essay continues, it's not just that the special counsel looms large or that the country is bitterly divided over Mr. Trump's leadership or even that his party might well lose the house to an opposition hell-bent on his downfall. The dilemma, which he, which he does not fully grasp, is that many of the senior officials in his own administration are working diligently from within to frustrate parts of his agenda and his worst inclinations. I would know I am one of them. To be clear, ours is not the popular resistance of the left. We want the administration to succeed and think that many of its policies have already made America safer and more prosperous. What? Really? Then why are you doing this? <laughs> but we believe our first duty is to this country. By the way, um, the use of duty is, uh, is, um, makes me wonder whether, in fact, this was written by someone who is aligned with the group of therapists who call themselves duty to warn and who are out to try to get Trump impeached by claiming that he is mentally unfit and then invoking the 25th Amendment. So that the, this duty, we, our first duty is to this country. That, I think, is a, um, a clue. So we believe our first duty is to this country and the president continues to act in a manner that is detrimental to the health of our republic. Now that's the next paragraph right after this person said that America is safer and more prosperous under Trump. That is why many Trump appointees have vowed to do what we can, what we can to preserve our democratic institutions while thwarting Mr. Trump's more misguided impulses until he is out of office. Dum, dum, dum. Uh, the root of the problem is the president's amorality. Anyone who works with him knows he is not moored to any discernible first principles that guide his decision-making. Although he was elected as a Republican, the president shows little affinity for ideals long espoused by conservatives, free minds, free markets, and free peoples. Um, you know, that kind of might be a clue that the, someone, that the person is a Republican. At best, he has, who doesn't agree with Trump, obviously. At best, he has invoked these ideals in scripted settings. At worst, he has attacked them outright. In addition to his mass marketing of the notion that the press is the enemy of the people, President Trump's impulses are generally anti-trade and anti-democratic. Now that he doesn't say anything to support that. This is just this guy's opinion. And yes, it's an op-ed piece. That's, you're supposed to give your opinion. Um, 
Well, let me uh, take a break here. When we come back, we'll finish the op-ed piece, and I will tell you some, um, some other clues that the person claims to leave in, the, uh, in his essay, and also um, who it might be and might not be, just in case you want to bet with one of these bookies. So stay tuned. You've been listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. Stay tuned and she'll be right back with more analysis of this week's hottest topic in terror. This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio. With your host, Dr. Carol. Welcome back to The Terrorist Therapist Show. Today we're talking about the New York Times op-ed piece, Who Isn't, and who might be the author who has wanted to remain anonymous for various nefarious reasons. Um, and I'm uh, leading up to that and giving you some clues along the way. Of course, from the beginning, I've told you that it's a domestic terrorist because this is a person bent on destroying our co- country from the inside, just like domestic terrorists. Uh, to continue with the op-ed piece, Um, Don't get me wrong, there are bright spots that the near ceaseless negative coverage of the administration fails to capture. Effective deregulation, historic tax reform, a more robust military, and more. Um, So, you know, they're saying that, okay, um, there are things that Trump Trump has been doing that's good, and um, there has been negative coverage of the administration, and they don't pay enough time, enough attention to these good things, which is absolutely true. But these successes have come despite, not because of, the president's leadership style, the essay goes on to say, which is impetuous, adversarial, petty, and ineffective. So they, you know, lure you, lure you into thinking that they're saying good things about Trump and the White House, only to um, then come back, redouble their efforts to put them down. Um, From the White House to executive branch departments and agencies, senior officials will privately admit their daily disbelief at the commander-in-chief's comments and actions. Most are working to insulate their operations from his whims. I mean, notice this, of course, emotionally charged language, which, you know, is one would do in an an op-ed piece, but uh, meetings with him veer off topic and off the rails. Again, this hint at uh, being, his being crazy. He engages in repetitive rants, and his impulsiveness results in half-baked, ill-informed, and occasionally reckless decisions that have to be walked back. There is literally no telling whether he might change his mind from one minute to the next, a top official complained to me recently. Now, that's in quotes. Um, so... One should be able to, you know, if, if someone did really say that, um, then the person who said that would know, unless he said it, which he might well have done to a lot of people, he might know who he said it to and that this anonymous writer is quoting. Um, a top official complained to me recently, exasperated by an Oval Office meeting at which the president flip-flopped on a major policy decision he'd made only a week earlier. 
The erratic behavior would be more concerning if it weren't for unsung heroes in and around the White House. Some of his aides have been cast as villains by the media, but in private they have gone to great lengths to keep bad decisions contained to the West Wing, though they are clearly not always successful. It may be cold comfort in this chaotic era, but Americans should know that there are adults in the room, which is another um, uh, phrase that makes me think that there is some that it might well be connected to this uh, group of, mis of, of political and um, um, unprofessional therapists who are, you know, this, this group um, who are, are calling themselves duty to warn. Because adults in the room is kind of a very, I mean, not that only therapists use that term, but it is a frequent therapist kind of term. We fully recognize what is happening and we are trying to do what's right even when Donald Trump won't. The result is a two-track presidency. And then he goes on to talk about the two tracks. Take foreign policy in public and in private. President Trump shows a preference for autocrats and dictators such as President Vladimir Putin of Russia and North Korea's leader Kim Jong-un and displays little genuine appreciation for the ties that bind us to allied like-minded nations. Astute observers have noted, though, that the rest of the administration is operating on another track, one where countries like Russia are called out for meddling and punished accordingly, and where allies around the world are engaged as peers rather than ridiculed as rivals. On Russia, for instance, the president was reluctant to expel so many of Mr. Putin's spies as punishment for the poisoning of a former Russian spy in Britain. He complained for weeks about senior staff members letting him get boxed into further confrontation with Russia. Well, you know, there's, that's a point. Um, why, uh, first of all, Britain just came out and um, confirmed that they believe that it was Russian spies. But second of all, you know, yes, they are our, our ally, but um, why do we need more things to punish Russia for, you know? Aren't we trying to make peace with all our enemies and all the people, the countries in the world? I mean, so why pick, pick on something in particular? It wasn't a U.S. They didn't poison U.S. people. Um, and he expressed frustration that the United States continued to impose sanctions on the country for its malign behavior. But his national security team knew better. Such actions had to be taken to hold Moscow accountable. This isn't the work of the so-called deep state. It's the work of the steady state. Given the instability many witnessed, and, and I'm reading this. this isn't my, that isn't my comment, that last one. Given the instability many wit witnessed, there were early whispers within the cabinet of invoking the 25th Amendment. See? Uh, get, again, getting back to the group of therapists, duty to warn, uh, invoking the 25th Amendment, which would start a complex process for removing the president. But no one wanted to precipitate a cons constitutional crisis. But he's laying that in there, you know, hint, hint, we could do that. <laughs> so we will do what we can to steer the administration in the right direction until one way or another, it's over. I mean, all these hints as to what this writer wants, and not so much hints, basically, he's coming out and saying, impeach Trump. The bigger concern is not what Mr. Trump has done to the presidency, but rather what we as a nation have allowed him to do to us. 
we have sunk low with him and allowed our discourse to be stripped of civility. This is a pretty ironic thing for this writer to say when he's asked the New York Times to be anonymous in an op-ed um, column. Uh, Senator John McCain put it best in his farewell letter. All Americans should heed his words and break free of the tribalism trap with the high aim of uniting through our shared values and love of this great nation. You know, of course, that seems to go along with make America great. Um, then, this is the paragraph that has had a lot of people talking. We may no longer have Senator McCain, but we will always have his example, a lodestar for restoring honor to public life and our national dialogue. Mr. Trump may fear such honorable men, but we should revere them. Now the word, the operative word here, the, the word that's drawn so much attention is lodestar, and I will get back to that. There is a quiet resistance within the administration of people choosing to put country first, but the real difference will be made by everyday citizens rising above politics, reaching across the aisle, and resolving to shed the labels in favor of a single one, Americans. So that kind of makes one think, well, is he a Democrat? Uh, reaching across, you know, wanting people to reach across the aisle from Trump. Um, okay, so Lodestar. Why is Lodestar sending the <laughs> social media, <laughs> the Twitterverse and the rest of social media into a tizzy? Well, Lodestar, um, first of all, is defined by Miriam Webster, the dictionary, as a star that leads or guides and one that serves as an inspiration, model, or guide. The Oxford Dictionaries define it as a star that is used to guide the course of a ship and a person or thing that serves as an inspiration or guide. So they were referring to um, McCain in, with that term. Okay, well, why, what's the big deal, right? Well, there's all this, um, there's all this tizzy, all this uh, speculation um, that the writer of this essay is Vice President Pence. Because apparently, uh, Mr. Pence has used the word lodestar in a number of his speeches, um, at least two speeches in the past year. And it is an unusual word, that is true. And, um, but of course, um, the vice president's office came out quickly to deny that it was him. It was he, uh, his, his, um, uh, his communications director, Jared Agan, uh, said, wrote on Twitter, the vice president puts his name on his op-eds and, uh, you know, and said, our office is above such amateur acts. I mean, you know, first of all, as I wrote in my tweet this morning, I mean, really, um, wouldn't the uh, writer of this essay who wants to be anonymous, uh, clearly he is not above putting hints in there, directing people to think that um, it would be Mike Pence, rather than Mike Pence being that uh, careless to uh, implicate himself if he were to write such a thing, which seems kind of far-fetched to begin with. Well, we'll go on to, um, we'll get more into Lodestar and Mike Pence and who might actually be the uh, writer of this uh, essay when we come back. 
You've been listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. Stay tuned and she'll be right back with more analysis of this week's hottest topic in terror. This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio. Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. Welcome back. Before the break, I was uh, reading and commenting on the anonymous um, uh, op-ed piece that was published in the New York Times as, and as I was saying before, a low in the history of journalism. Uh, and one would especially think more, of, expect more from the New York Times. And in fact, um, there is no question I want to sort of emphasize, I and many other people um, should are saying that the writers should come out, should uh, stop playing this stupid game and um, admit who he is and then should resign. If he doesn't like being in the Trump White House or we don't even know, you know, he's inside, inside the Trump administration, allegedly a senior administration official. That is the only way he is being named. Um, but if he doesn't like it, instead of trying to pretend that uh, he's doing the, you know, he's sacrificing himself for, by being the only adult or one of the only adults in the room to try to keep Trump in check, even though, as he says, uh, Trump has been doing a lot of good things for this country. I mean, I think this person needs some psychotherapy is really what I think. Um, particularly, I mean, he's a coward. He is a coward. Trump has called him a coward, and he is. Anybody, regardless of party. Um, and and I, know, I know I'm sounding like I am very pro-Trump. And um, yes, I have admitted I did vote for Trump. I do think he's doing a lot of good for this country. I particularly voted for him because of his stance and his uh, recognition of the danger of terrorism. So, um, so to be perfectly clear, yes, you know, I am, um, well, not only, but it's not only that I am in favor of letting the guy do his job, you know, letting him do what he's promised the American people he would do and what the majority of people voted for him to do, or at least according to the electoral college. Um, but it is also my bigger, my, my overall concern is that the more that these kinds of things are going on, the more that people are trying to call Trump crazy, are trying to um, detract in all different kinds of ways. This is, you know, there are all these books that come out, that came out, Amoroso, Woodward, um, all of these, you know, people coming out and saying, uh, claiming that, that they know uh, things from within the White House, quoting people, and then the quotes turn out to be misquotes. Um, so, you know, the thing is, all of this internal war in America is making us much less safe to terrorists. And, um, and that's really what makes me furious, because it's like, it's like these people are in a bubble, and they think that it's okay, you know, they're so angry, the, the people who are angry at Trump or who didn't vote for Trump are so angry that they are allowing their anger to blind them to what they are doing to America as a whole. Just like what I said about Nike, you know, um, choosing Colin Kaepernick, who uh, doesn't salute the flag, you know, purposely disrespects the flag and the national anthem and Nike, a, a, a big brand like Nike, who is especially popular with kids, 
you know, what kind of uh, impression or, or influence is that going to have? It's telling kids, you know, who want their Nikes before they go back to school, it's telling kids, we're, we're making this guy, Colin Kaepernick, a star. You should, you know, we're proud of him, even though he doesn't play football anymore. He hasn't been, no team has picked him up. Um, but we, we think he's great. You know, this guy who's, who's like an American trader, we think he's great. What is that doing to kids? It's telling kids, um, don't respect America. Don't respect the flag. Don't respect the national anthem. Be, it's cool to be anti-American like Colin Kaepernick. That's what they're saying. And that is incredibly dangerous. And again, it is domestic terrorism. So to get back to this essay and the effect that it's having, I was talking about uh, Mike Pence denying that he was the one who wrote it. And again, the, you know, people pick, I mean, that's so stupid. People picking up on the word lodestar and saying, oh, that's what Pump, Pump, Pump Pence and Trump, Pump uses. That's what Vice President Trump uses, lodestar. You know, that's the word he uses. It's a rare word, so it must be Vice President Trump. Do you really think, I mean, it would be pretty scary if Vice President Trump was that stupid himself to um, put in a word, to use a word that people would associate with him if he wants to be anonymous. I mean, I do give him more credit than that. Okay, then not only did Pence deny that he was the writer, but also someone who was one of the people who's been accused as being the author of this piece, uh, Secretary of State, State Mike Pompeo, he denied that he wrote it. And he um, said that the New York Times shouldn't have, have published this anonymously. Um, and he said that this person who wrote it, who he called a disgruntled, deceptive, bad actor, um, comes from a place where if you're not in a position to execute the commander's intent, you have a singular option, that is to leave. And then, of course, President Trump has come out <laughs> against it, needless to say, many times. Um, he tweeted, does the so-called senior administration official really exist, or is it just the failing New York Times with another phony source? And of course, that's an obvious uh, possibility that there really is no person, other person, other than the New York Times who wrote it. Um, if the gutless anonymous person does indeed exist, the Times must, for national security purposes, turn him or her over to government at once. And yes, so he's calling He's saying that the uh, op-ed was treasonous, and um, he's um, saying that the Times should turn this person over because it risks national security, which is absolutely true. Now, is that going to happen? <laughs> that doesn't seem very likely. Um, so here, let's go to the bookies. Okay, so there are all these bookies who are trying to encourage people to place their bets on who wrote this anonymous New York Times op-ed piece. Um, and they are, so one of the bookie uh, companies, a Costa Rica-based MyBookie, uh, puts Pence as the number one choice because of the word Lodestar. And um, they then put as, the, you know, and they say that when you search for members of the administration who have used that word, only the name Pence comes up. 
Uh, but again, the writer of the piece would know that would know that if he used Lodestar and made people think that it was Vice President Trump, uh, Vice President Pence, if the, let's start that again. If the author of the New York Times op-ed piece, the anonymous author, used Lodestar, it would of course make people uh, suspect Vice President Pence. And if you had to pick one person to try to hint that this op-ed piece came from, who would make Trump the most angry, upset, uh, you know, push him into kind of a rant or rants, then you would pick Vice President Trump because you, you want your, the one closest to you, the one who you certainly expect your vice president to have your back. And so if the writer hints that it's, that it's Pence, um, that would have the most impact in terms of upsetting Trump. So, okay, so this bookie place, my bookie, lists Pence as the first choice. And then the second choice is Education Secretary Betsy DeVos. Now, really, why would Betsy DeVos write this? She has gotten above all odds, talking about odds, you know, people, a lot of people didn't think she deserved that post. Um, but, but President Trump gave her that post, a big, nice, cushy, important job that she really um, revels in. And um, so why would she want to rock the boat and take a chance of writing this uh, anonymous um, op-ed piece? That makes no sense whatsoever. Then they list as third, Mike, Mike Pompeo, um, fourth, Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin, Fifth, White House Chief of Staff John Kelly. Uh, sixth, Secretary of Defense Jim Mattis. Seven, Attorney General Jeff Sessions. Eight, Interior Secretary Ryan Zink. Nine, Agriculture Secretary Sonny Perdue. Ten, Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross. Eleven, Labor Secretary Alexa Acosta. Twelve, Secretary of Health and Human Services Alex Azar. 13, Secretary of Housing and Urban Development, Ben Carson. Now, I don't think Ben Carson did this, but it's interesting because, I mean, he did um, want to be president. He was uh, competing with Trump to be president. He was in, you know, amongst the, uh, some of the final uh, group, amongst the final group, or one of the finals. <laughs> Um, so would he, you know, is he still angry because he didn't become president? It's possible, but it seems unlikely. Secretary of Veteran Affairs, Robert Wilkie. Secretary of Homeland Security, Kirsten Nielsen. And then the most ridiculous of all, the president's daughter, Ivanka. Really? She would do this against her father? Really? The next most ridiculous, Jared Kushner. <laughs> he has a cushy job, and, which he loves. And he would not do it either. He would be like the last person who would do it. Well, I'll leave it to you folks. You can, um, you can vote for or bet on who you, who you believe, the New York Times itself, um, or any of these people, or someone, another thought is someone who wants to, who's in the Trump uh, administration and who is hedging their bets, their own bets, that if Trump goes down, they want to get back in the good graces of Democrats. And by putting this out there, you know, they can always try to say, well, we tried to rein him in and we tried to let the American public know and so on. 
I stick with what I said at the beginning that um, whoever it was, they are a domestic terrorist because they are destroying America from the inside. Thank you for listening to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. If you would like to find out more about terrorism from me, your terrorist therapist, visit my website, terroristtherapist.com. And if you're a parent or teacher and want to build stronger nests for your kids to become more resilient, check out my new award-winning book, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. It's the first and only book about terrorism for kids. You can find it wherever books are sold or directly from the publisher at terrorismforkids.com. Terrorism, the number four, kids.com. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. Thank you for listening to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. We hope listening to the show has made you feel calmer, more resilient, and more able to reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. You can also check out past shows on Renegade Talk Archives for more insights.